Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? Coach Luca back here, Vigor Life Podcast. And I don't know if you know what, who this handsome guy is. If you guys are not watching the video, you guys are obviously hearing us, but it is my friend Jason Harris. Such a pleasure to have him on the show. Uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna amp him up a little bit. He has a he has a hype video that I wish I could share because then I wouldn't have to say anything. <laughs> but but he is uh, the CEO and president of uh, the founder of of Mechanism, which is a creative ad agency. Actually, probably I I tell people if I introduce him, like it's the number one creative creative ad agency in the world. So that's what I say, just so you know, Jason. Well, I like I like that what you're saying. That keep saying that. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's exactly that's my tagline. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, these guys have done shit. I got everything, like from Muscle Milk to Nike to Peloton to, I mean, there's probably I I can't list probably all the stuff that you guys have done for 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 marketing, like just about everything. Um, but it's man, and but he's also the author of the Soulful Art of Persuasion, which is a phenomenal book that we gave out to everybody at the last summit. So everybody that was listening to, uh, that was there, you guys know what the book is. You better have read it. It's phenomenal. And today yeah. I get to grill him. I, I get yeah, to grill me. this guy. <laughs> yeah. Welcome on the show, man. Yeah, thanks, man. And I, I'll just give, uh, give, give Luca a shout out that uh, I think we became, you know, we, we first met at uh, Adam Bornstein's event. 212, yeah. 212 and sort of knew each other. And then um, I think we became fast friends. We went to a, baby bathwater event uh that in croatia that was super fun that was fun yeah. and you know i think uh i was going through about the time the book came out i i was going through a, a personal situation i was going through uh you know with with my ex um you know some changes in my personal life and i think you've just uh always been a good friend and i think you follow a lot of the principles in the book that are all about playing the long game and building long-term relationships. So, uh, uh, you know, good, good friend. And I appreciate all your, uh, support and friendship over, over the years. Thank you, my brother. I really appreciate that. And, um, and you know, as like, when you said that, actually, that's, that was the really intriguing thing for me too, because, uh, I, I don't know if most people that meet you is like, Oh, you're, you know, you're a marketer. Uh, yeah. and I know, I know <laughs> the trust in marketing is not necessarily at the highest level, but, but when, I got this book and when I gave it to others, it's like, oh, this will be a marketing tactical, strategic, do this, do that book. Uh, and it, it's so much more. That, that's why I love it because it essentially ends up being habits of, I, I think this book is about becoming a better human being, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. I just don't know if you titled it that if people would, would buy into it. I don't it. think, I don't think people <laughs> would buy it. They're like, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. No, but that's that. actually, that's, that was my first question was like, what was even the trigger? Like, what was the trigger for you? First of all, what was the trigger for you to write the book? And then what, what was it to write this book in this way, even though it, it's, it's a book on persuasion and marketing? But well, really, it's more than that. Yeah, well, I started, I started the book um, almost writing it as a, uh, the 10 greatest campaigns in advertising and what people can learn from those campaigns about marketing. So it did start out as, as a marketing book. And and like you, I'm a pretty avid um, reader of business books. Like, you know, some are good, some are bad. But I really, um, oh, I'm always reading books. And, and a lot of what I was reading as I was sort of working on my advertising book and reading business books 
I realized, uh, you know, I have my, I've had my company with, with my partners for, you know, uh, 14, 15 years and in built being an entrepreneur and building a business, a lot of the business books were very transactional. You know, they were very about closing a deal or getting a sale or, um, making money. And of course we all want to make money. Like that's, that's a given, but I didn't find that those business books were that useful in how I conduct business. And so I started to weave the soulful art of persuasion into an advertising book. That's also about um, how to build relationships and become a more soulful person, both professionally and personally and um, ways that I operate which are become habits that I've done, that I've collected over time. And a lot of these um, uh, habits or principles in the book, you can learn like you're not, you might not naturally be a, a generous person. I wasn't, but that's a habit you can learn. And I realized that, um, you know, playing the long game and, and following these principles w will help you both professionally and personally. And, I wanted to come out with my take on, on how to, how to run a, a business or how to be a better person, both in business and in life, because a lot of what I was reading, I kind of disagree with. And so that's when the book changed for me. And the thing, what, what I like about it too, is like some, nobody can really call you out about, you know, ah, this is foo-foo. I mean, first of all, like we'll, we'll dive into some examples. You got some great examples of, of your business, but then other businesses as well in operating this way. So it's not like, Oh, if you just, you know, this is not tactical, but, uh, so you can't really, you know, sell or market. No, no, th th yeah. this works. Like this is, this is legit stuff. And, um, but, but what, what I wanted to start with is that like, I think this is the hardest when I talk to small business owners or let's say medium sized businesses too, that we'll work with and that original part. So it's basically the book breaks down into it's 11 habits in four different areas, original, generous, empathetic, and soulful. Yeah, that's the, right. the first the first part is probably the one that I, I think people are the most confused about. How do I, you know, how do I stand out? How do I be myself? Right. Cause everybody else is taken. I mean, that's that, that, that quote, but yeah, yeah. Whole, how to be original. Like it's, it's a, it's a very difficult way to like, you know, most people are like, Oh, just be yourself. Right. Just yeah. be yeah. But fucking how, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you can't, but, can't really do that. Yeah, ex exactly. But, but that was like some insights on, maybe what it was for, you know, for you, how did you figure that shit out? But also if you were talking to, you know, mentoring a young entrepreneur coming up and you're like, Jason, you know, what do you mean? Like, how do I, how do I become original? Like, it's all the same. Like, how, like, how do I stand out without copying somebody else? Right. What's yeah. your advice? Yeah. My advice is that, you know, and obviously, uh, you know, this as much as I do, it's a lot easier to be yourself with age, you know, as we age, we become a lot more comfortable with who we are. We care a lot less about other people's opinions. You know, we, we have a very strong sort of compass of where we want to go and what we stand for. But I think even early on, you can, uh, and any entrepreneur, anyone can do this, but you can write really, putting pen to paper, it makes a big difference. So writing down your belief system and your, the, the things that you want to stand for and how you want to go about your life and, not trying to copy or emulate somebody else, but really leaning into your personal idiosyncrasies and 
um, wearing them on your sleeve. You know, one way to do this is think about uh, role models that you admire and why you admire them. And are there some of those uh, traits that you wanna, you wanna you know, embody because you admire those role models and you can draw inspiration from them to make, you know, add it into your own uniqueness. But I think, you know, don't hide the things that you're into. Don't hide the things that you like. Don't try to mirror and match if you're trying to sell to someone, you know, don't act like you like wine and golf because the person you're selling to likes wine and golf. What is your wine and golf? And what is your story about why you like those things? Because when you show a little psychic skin, when you open yourself up, that opens someone else up to be vulnerable and honest and explain the things that they like. And so it's really about, about knowing yourself and not trying to pretend. Uh, another great tool for being original is learning to be a great storyteller. And some people, you know, they could come out of the womb as great storytellers and other people, they have to learn storytelling techniques. You know, they, they aren't natural storytellers, but I think being a storyteller is important part of being original because you can tell stories about your life and why that, why they made an impact on you. That allows you to create connection with people. You can think about your favorite uh, movie, or book or piece of entertainment and the the moral of that and why that affected you and why you like that that piece of art and that allows you collecting these stories and writing them down allows you to connect with people and you have something to say you're not just riffing off of what someone else is is about or what they like you know it's really dive into yourself in order to tell those stories to other people so that learning how to be a great storyteller in the book I talk about ways to practice uh, storytelling. And uh, another point of being, about being original is this idea of, of never be closing. Man, Don't that, think that, about, that, yeah. so many people, when, when they read the book, obviously this is one of the things that stands out. And uh, I mean, I love it. It's, it's yeah. a great tagline, obviously, but I know even after the summit, I kept getting, not, you know, hashtags, people will never be closing, never be closing. But, yeah. but I, I feel uh, this is a big one. I mean, I think all of them are, are, are key, but what, what, is, what does that really mean? So never be closing to me is about building um, uh, personal relationships. And it's about, you know, if you're, if you're pitching a client, uh, in my business, if I'm pitching a client, I don't think about if I don't win it, I don't think like, oh, it's over. I'm like, oh, that's a no for now. But now I've invested time in this in this person and I'm going to build that relationship and I'm going to see where it goes. You never know when that we might work together down the road or they could lead me to something else. But it's really about looking at, um, you know, dropping this transactional thinking of I got a sale or I got a win into I'm never closing. I'm just building relationships. And if you think about building relationships, which is about being yourself and connecting with another individual. And obviously you're not going to connect with everyone. Some relationships you don't need or you don't want, or they don't jive with you, but the ones that do, you know, build those and, and don't think about your closing, think about building long-term uh, relationships. And that's been a game changer for me because I would sort of jump from a pitch to a pitch or a client to a client or a client to a client. And you know, that's, that's uh, short-term thinking. And I think, Part of being yourself is is thinking that you're making a connection with another person and you're building a relationship. It's not it's not a one and done 
way of thinking. But you, you got, uh, I, I know there's a couple of examples. Actually, I was listening to a couple of other uh, of your interviews too, but in the book, you know, what's, because I think people kind of really dropped the ball on this one, right? Like, oh, we didn't make a deal. But, you yeah. know, and then it's kind of, you just put them out of your mind, period, right? Because it's a no, so it's done, it's closed. But like, what's, what's a great example for somebody here? Because I know that you guys had that, where you continue to develop the relationship. Like, it's no is not the ending of anything. It's actually might be the beginning of something else, right? Yeah, we had, we had one big financial client that we now we've now had for about eight years but um we were doing projects for them and then they wanted to pitch the business and we were too small so they opened it up to a bunch of other companies except for us uh and we didn't we didn't we weren't able to pitch for the business instead of like throwing our hands up um i just would constantly stay in touch with that person that I, the the chief marketing officer i'd build a relationship with sending articles sending points of view you know, giving them information or, or things that I was, I was thinking about. And eventually when they got sick of their agency, they had hired, they opened it up to pitch again and we were invited in because we, we kept that relationship going and then we won it. And now we've had that client for, you know, years and years and years. And so um, that's, that's one way to do it. And one, one technique I, I use um, in this area is, um, is, is never let your relationships drop to zero. And the way I do that is, um, I mean, I know you love tips like this. You love like, Definitely. you love these, these little like ways to set your mind up. But every day I will have um, in a work week, I'll schedule 30 minute blocks each day where I'll make it a point to reconnect to a client relationship or sometimes a personal relationship that has lapsed. And I'll do it by, it doesn't have to be a phone call or Zoom now. It, you know, it doesn't have to be that big. It can be, I know that this person, you know, loves ACDC. I, I read something about ACDC doing some live show or whatever. I'm going to send it to them. Or I know they love, um, you know, they love uh, Robert Greene. So I'm going to send them an article I read about, about Robert Greene. And so it's, it's understanding who they are and then just hitting them with information that's one-on-one. -on -one. It's not posting something on social for your whole following to see. It's one-on-one -on -one reaching out and keeping the relationship going. And people love to know that you're thinking about them. They love that, that they're top of mind. But it has to be, for me to make it a habit, I have to schedule it out and block out that time to do it. And you know that's super effective for me. So I do that, it's a half hour, five days a week. And uh, that's how I, I keep those relationships, you know, stoked. Yeah, see, that, that's because that's powerful because you're just talking about habits, right? Like, yeah, yeah. you do that all the time, but then it's who you become and it's what you do. And over a course of a year, you've connected with so many people and kept so many things alive that you otherwise wouldn't. That's right. That's right. And, and um, you know, I think if we, I don't know what your next question is, but, but when I think about habits, in the second principle, this idea of being generous, I was just not a naturally generous person. You know, I did not come out, uh, and I and I wasn't necessarily brought up in a in a way to think about generosity as second nature. I would I would I, would, I was pretty you know self centered and and egotistical. And when I realized that that was working against me, I wanted to make generosity a habit. I wanted to be thinking about other people's needs and um, 
you know, I worked on it and worked on it. And now to me, like I'm a very generous person, but I had to develop that skill. You know, I couldn't, I didn't just naturally have it. Um, So some of these principles people already have, you know, someone might be empathetic already, but they're not, not that original or they're not great at telling stories. So they have to learn that skill, but the other skill there, you know, isn't baked in their DNA. So, yeah. yeah. it's interesting because you know we went to generous and like the, the the reason i was drawn to the reason i mean we would have met regardless but i went into your small group uh in 212 because yeah. your presentation and and your conversation was around uh do good it was about how to connect you know social good philanthropy essentially to to your business yeah which was very well rooted it's funny you know you say i wasn't a nationally generous person shit like I was a shithead, you know, for, for a long time. I mean, I was in crime. I was doing a lot of stupid stuff and very, you know, seeking significance. And so, and now, and now I'd say, you know, I'd say a lot of people would go like, oh man, Luke always is helping the community and doing this, that, and the other same thing. That wasn't, that wasn't a natural thing necessarily. Uh, it was built up, but that, that was actually the, the touch point for me was when, when we met there, all the stuff you were saying, I was like, so bought into um, we're already doing some of those things. And, and that's why I was like, oh, man, this is great. You know, so next, yeah. the next time 212 came around, I'm like, oh, I'm going to Jason's thing. Yeah, yeah. And then um, you, uh, tell me about how that manifested itself for you. Like, how did you, how did you um, incorporate that into your business? So, so we still, you know, we, we did the charity boot camps every Saturday. Still do. Uh, we talked yesterday about how, you know, we're doing them virtually now, which is super cool. So then yeah. had that idea about Vigor Dream. So Vigor Dream is essentially a program that educates the youth, you know, gives opportunities to low income, uh, I would say families for kids to do strength and conditioning here. But it's even more than strength and conditioning. It's like a mentorship program, right? Um, and so what we ended up doing, this is the phase that we're in right now. There's, there's a program in, in Seattle called Badges and Barbells, um, which is basically police officers that go into schools and do strength and conditioning so for two reasons, right? Uh, the, the strength and conditioning in schools and high schools is non-existent almost, right? It's not funded. It's not organized. Uh, and so in the other part of it, the, the relationship between the police and the kids in the community is bad right? Like it's, it's not good. So one of the chiefs, he, he started this program called Badges and Barbells. And so he reached out to me and it was essentially, as we started talking, it was like, well, this, the Vigor Dream Badges and Barbells thing is so connected. So what we're doing now is that all this charity work, uh, we're going to start funneling into that program so that we can open these programs in different high schools um, and, and at Vigor. So imagine what this essentially ends up being is volunteers right which would be us or you know vigor ground but then also different police units to come in and weekly do strength and conditioning at high schools mentor the kids engage with the kids so now they got fitness they got health they got nutrition they got essentially guidance and so that was when i listened to you the the thing that popped out and you actually said it to me we were doing so much different stuff and you said what if you did one thing like, what if there was one story? What if, what if all of this work that you're doing, you would do it for just one thing and you told a story around it? Like, what do you care about the most? And I instantly knew, like, for me, it was, you know, youth and helping the youth not being yeah. knuckleheads like I was. <laughs> and, um, and so that's how that whole thing started. And we had a couple of 
obstacles, obviously, along the way. But it's, it's funny how, it, you know, it all came together that That's Chief, real awesome. Chief of Police re reached out. And then, you know, now, now this program is kind of getting developed. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're I, definitely... I, I, go ahead, sorry. Now, as I was saying, I'm, we're, we're definitely making it happen. And I was like, that was the catalyst for it, right? And I, I think that, uh, you know, for, for your audience that's, that's listening and, and, you know, a lot of them are entrepreneurs or future entrepreneurs or what have you, um, it's counterintuitive to think about giving things away like your time and your ideas and mentorship and thinking about building a business at the same time. And it's really hard to quantify how that giving comes back to your business because obviously it comes back to you personally because you feel good about yourself. You're not just focused on your immediate uh, sort of um, uh, success. You're going beyond yourself, but it also comes back to your business. And it's, it sort of comes back in ways you can't quantify, but it comes back in with compound interest. Like maybe for your business, because you've been able to go through COVID fairly successfully, part of that might be your membership base knows that you're also doing a lot of this good. And so they want to support you and they know you're not in it for yourself. So when it comes to keeping their memberships going, they want to be able to support you because they know that you stand for, you're inspirational, you stand for more than just your business. You stand for doing things outside your business and so it does come back to your business in with compound interest, but ways you can't always measure. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, num number one, I say it's self in a selfish way. The, the way you feel when you do good stuff is in itself very rewarding. Um, yeah. But then beyond that, like, you know, I could list a bullet point of things that I didn't even, you know, you don't think about. It. I'm doing this so that I can get more leads. I'm doing this that I can, you know, uh, get more joint venture part. Like you don't think about it that way, but it, it is what happens though. Um, eventually, it, especially if you combine those two, right? Never be closing is really like playing the long game. Definitely. And then generosity is, you know, giving, giving yourself away. Um, but on, on, on that side, you also talk about something, the pull of positivity. And I, I like that because, I mean, I, obviously, uh, when, when it comes to marketing, and you said something interesting, like um, about, you know, positivity long-term will win. And, you know, we live in, you've obviously heard the, the, the quote, you know, people are more, motivated to move away from pain than they are towards pleasure and desire. And so a lot of marketing ends up being, you know, uh, heavy, 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 heavy on like, if you don't do this, you know, your yeah. world's going to fall apart. If you're going to be in pain, you're going to do this. And I, and I get, I mean, I get it. I, I get it from the psychological standpoint, but I, I, I love what you were breaking down there in the pull of positivity. Um, but tell me more about that. Like, because, because you are in marketing and you know how much of the negative stuff is around. Yeah. So, you know, the pull of positivity for me is, and persuasion, because the book's about persuasion, being a more persuasive person, having more influence, inspiring people. Um, the pull of positivity for me, persuasion can be broken down. It's pretty binary. There's like negative persuasion, which is sort of fear-based. And then mm -hmm. there's positive persuasion, which is more, you know, attraction based. And um, when you practice positivity, you cultivate the sense of gratitude for good things. You recognize that um, every, every interaction can result in something profound um, if, you, if you are open to it and you let it. But to me, it really comes down to both are effective. 
but one is going to um, only, it's not going to build a long-term success. It's going to, it's going to build short-term success based on um, inspiring, uh, eliciting a fear, emotion, or um, avoidance, right? Like you said, that will, people will overcome that over a certain period of time. Like they, they won't always have that fear. They won't always want to avoid something and, and make, a, make a persuade by that measure. But positivity is something that you can count on over and over and over. So to me, it's all part of, it's all wrapped into this idea that business is a marathon, not a sprint. And so if you are going to persuade, moving towards the positive is going to set you up for long-term success. You know, is that your filter? Like when you, when you guys do stuff for mechanism, is that your filter too? Would you say that you, you lean toward like, have you guys never, you know, never, I'll say never done a uh, fear-based marketing, you know? Or, uh, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't really, we don't, that, that that's sort of more of the dark arts that we don't, we don't really mess with. We are much more about, um, cause what, you know, it's interesting that you said people, there was a poll about, um, the most dishonest professions and is a Gallup poll and the most dishonest profession was a politician. And then it was used car salesman. And then it was advertising practitioner. So yeah. people in general think that we're very uh, dishonest and will sort of spin uh, messages and stories uh, just to sell products and services. And so I don't, I don't want to share the, you know, the dishonest podium with politicians. You know, that's not, that's not my bag. I don't want to be represented in that way. And so we do have a filter of, we're still putting things out. We're putting messages out into the world. We're putting um, visuals out into the world. We're putting things that um, people will see and interact with. And if we can add some positivity to it while selling for our clients, that's always the, maybe the hardest, harder route, but it's always the best route. And so we do put that through the filter and the work that comes out of the shop. And that, that, that leads me to, cause I feel like you need a lot of the next thing for pretty much anything to work. Well, I, I don't know in business, but is which is the empathy part. Right. Yeah. And you know, being able to connect to people, this, this is, and you got, there's, there's three things in the empathy, the habits. It's not me. It's us, the col uh, collaboration imperative, which I love and in common ground. Um, and for, for my first question actually would be from a standpoint of how do you, here's the thing on, on the marketing side of things, right? How do you create empathy with the audience? Yeah, well, I think um, you have to always, uh, there's, a, there's a John Steinbeck quote, you can only understand people if you feel them in yourself. And I think you can only, market to people or relate to people if you understand them. And so this idea of um, understanding the, the, what you share, what, what a brand or a product or a company might share with the individual that they're trying to target and trying to come up with those shared uh, commonalities, I think is really uh, paramount in, in, in marketing and advertising. And so it's always about putting yourself in the customer's shoe and not speaking just from your brand point of view or what 
message you want to get across about your brand. It's how does it relate to the audience that you're trying to market to. And so that's, that's just the, the way we always, we always look at it. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I do, um, I have this thing called, I'm blanking on it right now. Uh, jobs to be done. I, I used to do a lot of those interviews to like, just find out why people hire you essentially. Right. It's like, Hey, oh, what, what, cool. you know, what, what job were you hired to do? Um, and it's a very, that, that kind of really shifted my mind because sometimes you think that people hire you for in our, in our case, right. To get lean or build muscle, but it's not that right. It's something else. But on the surface level, you think that that's what it is. What is it that they hire you for? Hey, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll you're, tell like, you're like a shrink, right? <laughs> no, actually here's, here's a really interesting thing. Well, cause you've, you've met, um, uh, John Berardi at mm -hmm. 212, right? Yeah. So they, they, they did actually, I learned from him about jobs to be done many years ago. And they had this really interesting scenario where they would scour the kind of forums of people talking about their program. And uh, somebody asked the lady like, Hey, would you recommend this program? You know? And she was like, no, I, I wouldn't. And as this stream of in the forum was going down, they realized that she, that she lost 60 pounds. So she lost 60 pounds, but didn't get what she wanted from the program. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and what? So they, they dug deeper and that's how they found uh, these guys and started doing a lot of questions and figured out that basically, you know, what she was looking like the weight loss would be the side effect of what she was looking for. What she was looking for was somebody to take care of her, guide her, right. Be there for her. And, Yes, part of the other stuff was there, but she she felt like she didn't get that from the coaching, and so isn't, that's very very fascinating, right? Because you go like she recommended the program is is not something that she signed up for, right. even though her results were great. And so we forget sometimes that sometimes people are looking for community community to be taken care of. Uh, yeah, they want to get in shape, but that might be a secondary thing or maybe even a third thing. But if you can find that out how much better can you empathize and market and, you know, uh, find common ground. And so that's been a I big, that. I love big, that. that's big really thing. Good. Yeah. Um, I think, um, you know, we've, we've worked with clients that our work has been off the charts for them. They've, you know, they've, they've seen 150% growth and the advertising works, but we could still lose that client because the process wasn't enjoyable. You know, they, maybe they worked with someone who rubbed them the wrong way or a brand manager or a creative that was trying to argue too much about the work they should buy. And if the process isn't, isn't enjoyable because you don't have that, that common bond or that link, um, it kind of doesn't matter what the results are because all they remember is like, that was a shitty, that was a, sh I had to slog through that. That was not fun. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Oh man. So you know what? I got, I got two great examples I, I, because this plays into it. I think this is very, very interesting and, and important for people to hear. You know why? Cause people think like in our industry, let's say in fitness, they might look at, you know, uh, your business and go like, ah, oh, that might not, that doesn't happen at, at uh, you know, the marketing level at that, at that higher level with, yeah. you know, really big billion dollar companies, but it does. And so for instance, in, in fitness, it's really easy to go like, this guy's a genius, but he's a shithead. I don't want to train with him, right? Like <laughs> right. there's yeah. so much, like, if I don't like you, I'm not, it's going to be very unenjoyable to train with you. Yeah. And but here's a crazy story around uh, like where I'm at. One of my friends, she, she's kind of like in command of 
it's a big, big construction company. They build a lot of stuff out and they have a, a massive space that they're, you know, trying to lease out and whatnot. And a, let's just say that a really big company chose not to move in because of one person of, and, and basically being like, we don't want to work with this person. Right. Yeah. Even, even though, even though it was a really good scenario for them from a standpoint of business, they were just like, we just don't want to be associated with this person. And th these oh, are like, wow. we're talking about tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars in deals. Oh my God. But it, it just shows that at any level, if you're, you know, if you don't kind of follow and fall into the stuff that you're talking about, you know, have an empathy, being able to build relationships, not being a dickhead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can lose you a grand or it can lose you a hundred million. And wow, that's crazy. It doesn't matter what level it's on. And I, and I would say that like what, when you talk about the collaboration imperative, um, what, what does that mean? Cause to me, that's part of it. That's part of what I'm talking about here, but you know, not having it be competition, but having it be co collaboration. Yeah. The collaboration imperative is really about this idea that um, it's much easier to convince people and persuade them if they feel like they have skin in the game, if they feel like they built something with you, you know? So if we're presenting an idea to a client, we don't get the assignment and then go away for three weeks and then come back and be like, ta-da, here's the answer. <laughs> we, will, we will have like multiple meetings in between where they are adding their thoughts. And so we can say, you know, hey, something that you said that really stuck with us is X and that turned into this. And so by the time we get to the final meeting, they're already bought into it because they help craft it. And so collaboration is the best way to persuade because it's as if they're, they're working, uh, you know, on the project with you versus you've got two opposing people and one has an idea and the other has a different idea. And so that's really what the collaboration uh, imperative is all about. You know, um, the, this last part, well, I got a bunch of other crap, man. Like, you know, as we talk, I got a ton of questions, but in, in the soulful area, like the, the thing that, I mean, sticks stuck out at me and something I've believed in for a long time is the importance of skill hunting. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, but there's, there's, I can't remember where you said it. Um, and I will we'll go back to the skill hunting part, but it was something about like, if somebody's very, very, very skilled and the best in the world, or like, you know, the, at the highest level of it, that people trust them more. And uh, you were bringing this up. It's why, you know, celebrities can endorse things. And it's like, oh, that yeah. guy's the best in the world. So, of yeah. course, of course I should drink XYZ drink or buy, yeah. you know, these Celebrity pants. endorsements are powerful, yeah. And but talk a little bit about what that, you know, the importance of skill hunting is as far as, like, uh, obviously getting better at skills and what you do, but also how much it helps with influence. Yeah, so... Um, you know, there's, there's a study that the most trusted man in America is Tom Hanks. And I think, yeah, and I, we, you know, I don't know anything about Tom Hanks and you don't either. We, we think we do. But the reason why is he's uh, a, a skilled actor. He seems like a nice guy. He appears to be a nice guy. He picks really good roles. He's not in any crap. You know, he doesn't do Adam Sandler movies. You know, he didn't fall into like the Eddie Murphy realm or you know um he he picks you know thought out roles that advance his skill that he has to really craft at and when he does that 
um, that's why people trust them. They trust when they see a Tom Hanks movie, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good and that he's thoughtful. And so by having a skill or being proficient at something like fitness, like marketing, that shows you, it shows other people that you can be influential because you've, you've mastered something, you put in those hours and you, um, you, you can um, use that skill and that you've, you've mastered it. And there's two parts to that. Um, the other part is being really skillful at a few things and developing them and becoming a master at it is, is influential. But the other thing I believe in for skill hunting is the idea of always looking for new skills and new skills don't have to be things that you master or that you become great at. It's that, um, you can develop passions and you're defined by, um, curiosity. And so like for me, skill hunting and being skillful is about mastering, you know, two or three areas over time and then hunting for new skills where you're always challenging yourself. You know, I want to, I want to be, I want to understand chess. I don't want to become a master at it. I want to pick up boxing. I don't want to compete and be amazing at it, but I want to understand the moves and the skills. And when I'm watching it, I want to really understand it. And so like, I have a thing where every two years I try to focus on a new skill and practice it, not, not to have that be in my master skill category, but to have it be in my understanding and knowledge category. And I think that keeps you sharp and focused. And, um, you know, you always wanted to, I always wanted to write a book. I, I had to learn how to write a book and then try to tackle that and learn that process. And it was scary took me three years, but that's a new skill. And so I think that's important, not just to, to master a few things, but then to keep on the hunt for things that, that keep you curious. So out of, out of my curiosity, what are the things that, what are the things that uh, right now you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I wanna build these skills. If you look at the next year or two, what's a gap that you're like, I mean, whether it's curiosity or a gap that you wanna, you wanna take on. So like, what am I trying to work on now? Yeah. Like what's, what's intriguing you? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I feel like I'm still working on the finishing this this book uh, promotion uh, thing. But I I mean I guess I brought up chess for a reason. I've been starting to like uh, play it a few times a week, and um, I don't really understand it that well. Do you ever play it? I used to my I used to play with my grandpa when I was a kid a lot, and then uh, after I was after he passed away, uh, probably like after age 11, 12, I, I've dabbled in it a little bit, but not, not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my, that's kind of my new thing is, um, you know, I'm never going to be phenomenal at it, but I want to know the thought process and how to think several moves ahead. And, you know, there's, there's, there's basic setups for it and instead of just like, well, I know all the moves and I'm going to play. It's trying to think of, um, what does a master, how does a master see the board and how do I get like a little tiny percent of that? Cause I've always been curious about it. So that's sort of the next thing that I'm, I'm working on. I'm not going to be signing up for chess tournaments. No, but right? I, when I come to, here's the deal. When, yeah. when all this craziness is over and we, we can go uh, when I'm in New York, I want to do that thing where we're in the park, like, like a uh, professor. And there's, and there's one Magneto, guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, we're just we're, we're playing chess and shit like i, I definitely want that i happen. love that there's those dudes in the park that are playing like five games at once 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, that dude maybe went too far on the chest. Yeah, but no, we just find people that aren't really good, so we look like geniuses. Oh uh, yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We play little. Kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm down in. for that. Uh, it, there's, I think this part of man, you have a personal Jesus in in the soulful part where. Yeah. It, that one is really like uh, what I kind of throw at people to go, hey, like figuring out, like figuring out your purpose. Um, but explain, because you got a little drill that like you talk about that people can do to, uh, to kind of yeah, yeah. find their personal Jesus. But talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. And so, you know, I always use this. Um, I always use the story of uh, Muhammad Ali because I'm like, uh, uh, I love, you know, he's considered the, the goat. And, you know, one of the reasons he is, is not, yes, his boxing career was phenomenal, but there's a lot of phenomenal boxers. But he um, was influential and inspirational because, you know, during the Vietnam War, he decided that he was not going to fight. And, yep. he, he, you know, he, fought, he basically stood up against the country and said, it's not my belief and I'm not going to do it. And then they banned him from boxing for five years. And so in the height of his prime, you know, his late 20s, he was uh, not able to box and he was destitute. He got thrown in jail for a period of time and he, um, you know, lost out. And then he came back to box in his, in his early 30s, but he gave up everything for a belief. Now, I'm not saying people should, you know, go to that extreme. But he is, that's why he is, he is known as the GOAT and why he's inspirational because he did something beyond his skill. He did something beyond boxing to take a stand at something that, that he believed in. And so when I think about personal Jesus or, or being a soulful person, that's the soulful piece of, of business. And that's about doing something more than just making money or, you know, buying a Lambo. You know, it's and buying a, a expensive uh, things and living in, you know, having five houses. It's about um, doing something greater than yourself and standing for something that you believe in. And so um, this simple, simple technique, I, I do this sometimes when I'm speaking in, in uh, different seminars, but you have people take a piece of paper and on the left side, they write the two or three things that they're skilled at, like we talked about. And on the right side, they list two or three things in the world they care about, like yours would be, would be, you, you know, youth, right? Uh, trying to make sure people go down the right path. Um, and so you write down two or three things that you're skilled at, two or three things that you care about. And if you look at that piece of paper long enough, you will come up with an idea of how to give back and be an inspiration and um, do more than just what your job is or the business you're building. And that will have a lot of profound effects and people will look at you as an inspiration and they'll want to follow you because you're not just an entrepreneur or a business person or, you know, counting how many garages you have. And that's the, and the funny thing about that is that you doing that is actually what kind of drew, drew me in to even, you know, to, to your presentation there yeah, um, yeah. eventually, because you, what, what is it called? Um, and you started a, a collaborative with, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, it's the Creative Alliance. Creative Alliance, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh, we have a hundred companies that do pro bono advertising. So like if my skill is is marketing or advertising, um, 
I, I got a hundred companies together. And so when there's a nonprofit initiative, um, like, uh, you know, immigration, gender equality, getting people to vote, et cetera, there's a sort of consortium of companies that can work on these free, um, you know, these free campaigns that they do to leverage their skills. And so that's a thing that I started because sometimes there's only so much you can do on your own. You need to collaborate and get other people involved um, and do something that's, that's bigger sometimes. And so I started that about um, in 2016, so about four years ago. And it's still going strong. I feel like when, when you brought those two together, I think this is a really, to me, it's always been like, uh, hey, you have a skill, right? There's something that you do that's very, very valuable. Okay, just use it. And then whether it's use it for somebody that can't, you know, that, that needs it, really, really needs it, it's really helpful, can't afford it. And or, you know, in my case, when we do like the super simple example, charity boot camps, right? Where we do our charity training. Like, hey, I'm going to give you this kick-ass training session, pay for it, but you're not paying me you're paying these folks here that really need it. Right. Like that's been my, my thought process. And it's like anybody, like, I hope that if anybody listens to this, that like you, you just go and do stuff. Um, because when I started it, it wasn't like this whole crazy thought out, this is what's going to become, but it just, there's never a downside to it. You know, it, it, it's um, you're, you know, you're bringing up like a, a higher level, which, which I mean, I love Like you've been able to, to get a hundred companies together is nuts. And yet, yet amazing, you know, to help, these organizations uh, for free in many ways, but no matter how small the company or big the company is, I hope that everybody, if there's anything that you do from this is like, go do something to help somebody else in, you know, in your personal Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause um, I'm, I'm far enough along in my career, you know, I've got 20 something years of experience. I can, I can swing big and do something like that, but that doesn't mean you wait until you have the that capacity or resource to do something that big you start out doing one thing you start out you know helping neighborhood kids read you start out you know doing something with homeless climate change whatever you care about you know you you literacy uh you know it could be a million things fit fitness you know ending the obesity epidemic whatever it might be you just start out with one simple thing that you're doing and and that's all it takes. That's, that's enough. You know, you don't have to create some big thing with a hundred companies. Like that's, it's also a bitch to manage, you know, like you don't yeah. have to do something that big. You just, you just do one thing at any level and that'll start you thinking in different ways that are going to lead you to more success. Yeah. You know, you know what, like, I gotta, this is, this is going to take a little bit of a turn, but it's a question I wanted to ask you on, on the side of like, when you get campaigns and stuff, right. I mean, of course you got, you got a team and you got a lot of people working on this. But how do you go about, you know, if I don't know, I'll give you an example. I come to you and I'm like, all right, Jason, listen, um, you know, here's what we want to achieve. Here's the gym. Here's our philosophy, whatever. Uh, create, you know, create a, a campaign. Like, yeah. how does your creative juice go with whatever you make? Because you guys made a, uh, the MedMen yeah, yeah. commercial, which is dope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right, but how does that fucking even come to fruition? Yeah, my partner uh, Tommy worked on worked on that one. Well, I think you know it's a there's a team of people, and we have uh, just like you would have a process for, you know, if someone signed up for a goal, you have a specific process you follow: nutrition, workouts, you know, etc. There's a process like that for 
um, for marketing. And, and it's about, you know, whatever the client issue is that they bring you, you reinterpret it with a team of people and you give it back to the client and say, does this look, are we interpreting the problem? Right. Then you go through a process of, um, coming up with a lot of loose ideas, but it starts with this like strategic platform, this, this idea that all the work has to ladder up to. So we would come in and say, what do, what do you stand for at Vigor that no one else does? What's your like special you know, sauce that no one else has? And then you try to ladder work that unearths that, that special sauce. And it's just an iterative process where you go back and forth until you, you land on the right tone, the right look, the right words, but it's all based on landing that sort of strategic framework at the beginning um, that works. Yeah, so it's like a process, you know? I'm I'm uh I'm gonna uh I'm gonna jump into one of the internships uh and, and work on the back end. I'm just letting you know. All right, cool man. Cool. <laughs> come on, come on in. That's that's 2021, man. No intern, no co no COVID internship. That, that's all right. 2021. I'm putting it down. Um, all right, come man, on. I, I I think one of the 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 things that maybe like wrapping around, you know, and kind of finishing off on on this, you know, idea of the the soulful art of persuasion. And, you know, bringing it into this time. And obviously, uh, you know, we talked yesterday about some obstacles and struggles that like everybody's going through. Um, but, you know, do you have any thoughts on, personally, I think that this is even more important right now. Um, but, you know, advice to entrepreneurs around the soul for our persuasion in these times, you know, um, in, I'm, I actually think I know where you're going to go with this because I think we're on the same page, but I would love to oh, hear. We are? Well, I want to know what you, where am I going? Well, well I, here's, I, I think that where you're going with is that at least this is how I feel on a daily basis. I, you know, I trust like the government less, right? Like everybody's oh, so yeah. all over the place. Uh, and I feel that the, the trust of just people is and I, I know the statistics I, I was looking at the stats <laughs> some crazy crazy shit right it was like um over 80 percent of people don't trust corporations um it, i mean the numbers were massive yeah so though you know my thought process is that like you with with what you've outlined with those four areas and those 11 habits i mean a big part of it is yes become a better human being like know how to persuade but build trust and in that in this time as a company as an individual you got to build as much trust as possible and that's part of the biggest you know value of how you can uh you can essentially sell and persuade that that's my thought process but you know what's your angle on on for people and companies in this time like using these strategies or should i say these habits moving forward yeah well i think that's a great question i think this is a it's a challenging time and i think you know people it's hard to think about these habits when you don't have your basic needs covered. You know, if you, if you're out of work or your business imploded, um, it's hard to think about these areas, but I would, I would say you have to, you know, I would say you still have to, um, you know, kind of uh, break through and um, you know, don't let, don't let a good crisis go to waste, you know, try to figure out how to build relationships, how to talk about uh, your business, how to transform it so that when you come out the other side, uh, you got, you got some, some legwork going on. And I know that's like 
very, very challenging. I mean, my business has been hit. Your business has been hit. It's hard to keep that momentum when you're just trying to get through uh, keeping it all together. Um, but I think it's important at any time to think about how to help people, even if you're in trouble, you know, how to think about other people, how to do something that's beyond yourself. Um, but you gotta, you gotta keep those principles applied. It's, it's a test, you know, it's, it's in a, it's, it's a, in the feast times, it's a bit easier than doing it now, but even now it will pay off when we come out of this because people will know that, you know, who you are. Um, and yeah. Practically like, you know, when you, when you started you, and, and you said, Hey, here's the thing that I do every day for 30 minutes. I, I just feel like when, you know, when, when you're looking at every single one, you know, from the turning and facing the strange and the persuade uh, uh, the persuasive power of storytelling and ever closing and giving yourself away that maybe you don't do all like that would be a little overwhelming for, for a person. Go like, listen, I need you to add 11 new habits every day yeah, that you're going to do. Yeah. But ask yourself what, well, and actually the book has that, like the, it's got exercises and drills in it, which I love. Um, but like adding these things in every day, right? So if there's something you want to work on and be better at, Hey, do you have it scheduled in your day? to work on it. Like if you want to become fitter, man, do you have a workout scheduled? You know, yeah. uh, I, I know that you, I don't know right now if you are, but uh, I know you were boxing on a regular, I'm boxing on a regular, obviously I'm training yeah. on a regular, like it's scheduled, right? It's non-negotiable. So some of this stuff that is in there, like make sure you put it in your schedule and it becomes a part of your life. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, inside of me, there's a fat kid trying to get out, you know, like, and I'm like battling him every day. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like you. I'm not, I'm not as jacked and working out as, as a monster like you. But if I don't schedule workouts, that, that fat kid's going to come out. And so Listen, like, man, in Croatia, I, we had scheduled workouts, buddy. We had to schedule those workouts. <laughs> you got to put the, you got to put them in there, but you know, you, you know, maybe a simple thing right now for, for, for people, if their business is in trouble or they're out of work or they got unemployment is maybe it's a time for them to do some reflecting. It could be as simple as, I'm gonna figure out what my beliefs are. I'm gonna figure out my guiding principles. And when I come out of this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I have those written down. Maybe this is a time like some of those things that you wanna do on your list, you never had time for. Maybe it's a good opportunity to, to leverage that so when you come back, uh, you are more original. You are more yourself. You know the things you're gonna stand for. Um, you know, maybe it's a good use of, of scheduling in your day to, to reflect and think about that um, versus just waiting for this thing to be over. That's, you know, that's maybe, a great point. Yeah. You know, maybe lean into the use of time you might have now. It's, it's a big ass pattern interrupt. Like I think one of the most powerful things you can do is go like, Hey, what I, what I really want in my life, you know, what, what do I not want? What I want to direction I want to go. I mean, this, if there's any time, then it's definitely right now, even, even though it's, it's hard to do. It is hard to do. And it's hard to shake off the anxiety. You know, it's hard to shake off the stress. Um, but ironically, the act of doing that will relieve, hey, will relieve the anxiety and stress. But I know that's hard to do for people. But um, one, one simple way, scheduling is really important. Say an hour a day, I'm going to work on what my business could turn into. You know, an hour a day, that's it. You don't, but if you make it random and you'll, you hope to get to it, before you know it, it's 10 o'clock at night and you haven't done anything. Yeah, de definitely. Definitely yeah. schedule. Yeah. Man, 
like I already know, like we're, you know, you definitely got a schedule. I definitely got a schedule. Yeah, um, it's hardcore. I, I, I know that uh, we, could, uh, we could talk for a long ass time. Um, what, to where can people, first of all, okay, actually before I, before I even go that direction, um, I read a lot of books, okay? Uh, and anybody that's listened to this knows that I'm, I'm an avid reader. The, and, you know, sometimes when we have people that have like written books and I'm like, hey, this is a great book. Like, hey, this is a, if you are a, if you have a business, like this is a must book. But I, but, it, but that's the thing is it's almost like, um, I don't even want to compare it because I don't think it'd be fair, but it's like a how to win friends and influence people because I think this is different and yet in, in, in many ways better. Yeah, um, it's a modern version of that. It, it really is. Yeah. Uh, it, it, with, with applications, with actual applications to uh, if you have, if you're an entrepreneur and you're building a business. So like this is one of my must reads. Like, like I got a little list of when people are like, hey, what, what books do I need to get as a business owner? Uh, entrepreneur this is this is on the list of 10 um you got to get this book and what tell tell me like where they can find out more about the book get the book forget about finding out more about the book where can you get, get yeah get yeah the i mean amazon.com obviously the soulful art of persuasion uh you can buy that white cover the lightning bolt um and uh the soulful art.com is my website uh you can see a lot of uh Hold up. If they go to that page, make sure you go yeah. about Jason and, uh, and click on that because it is a two minute plus gangster reel. So yeah. Gangster. It's yeah. easy when it's easy when you have an agency. to. <laughs> I, I was about to say, oh, can you make me one of those? Yeah, that shit's easy. That, yeah, that sure, man. That's pretty damn great. Yeah. I mean, shit, you better have one like that. Yeah, exactly. Dude. All right, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. My, my pleasure, my brother. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you listening to this. You could have been anywhere else, but you were here. Hey, make sure you take, you already know, make sure you take some action. If you don't take action, nothing moves. If something hits you in the gut, if something was profound, you got an aha moment, don't just go away and not do anything about it, right? Make sure you take some action at the moment of decision. With that said, we'll see you in the next episode. Peace out, my friends. Peace.